Okay, let's 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 talk. Let's start things off. Hi, Paul. Hello, Janina. <laughs> How are you today? Uh, pretty good. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's a sunny day here. How is it with In, you? Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, sunny and the uh, clouds sometimes, but it was white on the ground here in Tebby this morning. It's yeah, we, uh, uh, beginning of here. April. Yes, and, and for the benefit of our listeners, today we're not in the podcast studio. We are working remotely, keeping safe and recording online. So uh, we're uh, at the other end of, a, of an internet connection uh, yeah. recording this podcast. So that's cool. We are. Uh, and we have uh, uh, also an, an honoured guest, a returning guest, appearing in this podcast. We have uh, the Ericsson's head of high band and active antenna systems uh, for an Ericsson network, Sibel Tombas, returning. And she's going to update us on Ericsson Spectrum sharing. What's happening there? Because she was in one of our first episodes of this podcast talking about this. Uh, uh, sorry, this. About spectrum sharing. About spectrum sharing, yes. We how, which is, and we all know how important spectrum is. We all know that now. Uh, and uh, that's uh, what what she has uh, in her portfolio is uh, Ericsson's version of dynamic spectrum sharing, which is a CGPP standard nowadays. And, and, it's, and it's, uh, such a, it's such a 3GPP standard that uh, that it's uh, commercially available now. We've uh, shipping it out to uh, out to networks for operators to put into the network. Cool. Yeah. Um, but but well, first. what else is happening in 5G, Jenny? Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about what's happening right now. Uh, so, uh, I think we started, or in our last podcast, we talked a little bit about Japan going live end of March, and now they are live. Shall we start off there? Yeah, Japan. Japan went live last week, and it all started with NTT Docomo, but they're all kind of lined up, so NTT Docomo. KDDI and SoftBank, I think, launched more or less uh, a, a day after each other. Mm. Uh, and they've all seemed to have a fairly similar uh, pitch and offering. Uh, Docomo, um, they're planning for like 500 cities. So they've got uh, 150 locations is, is what they're launching right now. They're planning for 500 cities by next year uh, with 10,000 base stations. That's more or less the same here as, as KDDI. They're also promising to put in uh, 10,000 base stations by uh, by this time next year. Uh, and they're looking to get uh, 2 million subscribers for the for the end of uh, the, what they call fiscal 2020. So I don't know if that's uh, December or maybe even March of next year. Uh, but they're expecting 2 million subs in the first year. Um, so rolling out there uh, across Japan, um, 15 prefectures that they talk about for uh, for KDDI uh, and seven firms. So if you, yeah. if you think back to how things were almost a year ago when the first uh, when the first commercial 5G networks came on stream, most of them it was like Hobson's choice. You got a phone. Yeah. 
<laughs> if you were lucky. <laughs> this is your 5G phone. So now, now, uh, now the KDI, they're launching with a choice of seven phones. So that's Samsung, Sony, Sharp, Oppo, Xiaomi, and, and ZTE. So, uh, so a fair choice, in, in fact. So, and, and uh, we know that you know if we look around the if we look around the different suppliers, I think there's somewhere between thirty and fifty different five uh, G models already out there, uh, out and about okay. in, in different networks. Yeah, it's uh, the first so, time I've heard of a Sharp okay. phone. I guess that's the 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 privilege of having. I think Sharp is the Japanese company, right? So they could deliver them straight away. Yeah, Sharp and Sony. I mean, uh, uh, Samsung will begin career, of course. So it's not, maybe no surprise to see Sharp and Sony uh, making impact in in Japan. Um, something that was interesting with the with the Docomo announcement, they said the maximum speed they're going to deliver initially is three point four gigabits per second, which mm -hmm. is pretty quick. That's that is that's, pretty uh, quick. Yeah, that's pretty quick. But they're actually promising by June to be able to up that to four point one gigabits per second. Um, so, and that's uh, that's knocking pretty close to uh, what we were talking about only a couple of weeks ago, in a, or a couple of podcasts ago, about the new world record speed record in midband um, of uh, around four gigabits per second, so um, or a little over. So yeah. it's interesting to see that the time lag between it being a world record and it being available in a commercial network is not far at all. Wow. Uh, so things are going quickly, um, which is good. But uh, but uh, maybe the other news for this week is is things are not going maybe not maybe going to go as quickly as the as we'd like in uh, some other areas. So yes. Japan now is um, but but uh, we're seeing signs of delay in uh, some other markets, so uh, particularly with the impact from COVID nineteen. Um, we've seen. Uh, auctions for Spectrum being delayed in European countries like Spain and France, uh, and of course uh, that, uh, that will slow down the deployment and uptake of of five G. Uh, and of course, restrictions on travel and and things can also affect the you know the uh, the, the the rollout uh, of five uh, G you know, new five G services. Um, although it comes down a little bit to whether or not to whether or not it classes as an essential service. I think for most people working at home, their broadband is fairly essential. Yes, uh, uh, I'm guessing we get a lot of questions about that, and I think we'll come back to that later on. What impact does this uh, new way of working from home uh, and working remotely have on the 5G uh, or in, on the telco networks overall out yeah. there? Uh, can I've, we see uh, a difference? I, I've seen some interesting numbers on that, so it would be good to, to find a person that uh, that uh, is expert, has looked into it, and can talk to us about it. Could be a good yes. tip for uh, an upcoming episode. Um, but uh, so the, the spectrum auctions, they're a little bit uh, shaky in some places. They'll get there, but uh, but there's some delays. And the same, unfortunately, with standards, that uh, there's going to be at least a couple of months delay in the next round of standards coming through. So release. Yes, the 3GPP standards are delayed. They can't finalise the release 16, I heard. Um, they can't. But uh, that doesn't mean that we can't get 5G. It just means that uh, some of the new capabilities may be a bit, a bit slow coming on stream. 
So okay. That was, uh, so that was that cool piece. And then there's one other piece of cool news I think we should just mention, and that, of course, is that uh, the merger between Sprint and T-Mobile is is uh, is real. As yeah. It. When was this announced? It was a while ago now. Like oh, a they, year. The merger has been under, it's been under um, it, it was announced a long time ago, and of mm -hmm. course they're looking at, uh, look at uh, aspects of mergers and acquisitions and whether they think it's a good thing, and the different states in the US, I think, will, will have to give their approval. So it's been a fairly long approvals process for them, um, but uh, that looks like it's in place now. Um, one of the interesting things with the two parts there, Sprint and T-Mobile, they have quite complementary spectrum assets, so that actually gives yeah. them a good spectrum, low band spectrum, mid band spectrum, high band spectrum. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just a, a recap on that: uh, we, when we talked about Sprint launching 5G, they they actually launched it on on uh, low band, a lot of it, right, to get coverage and get the better coverage map, but not the high speeds. Correct. Um, I'm having a mental lapse here. I'll, I'll take your word for it. I'll have to go back and look it up. I think it was low, uh, lower mid-band. So they were they were slightly lower, not the millimeter wave, like the big uh, American operators. So they were a little bit special, Sprint. Right. Uh, and then uh, I guess with uh, the merge of uh, Sprint and T-Mobile, um, they will complement each other on the spectrums quite well. So I think T-Mobile have a millimeter wave, which gives a really high capacity, and, uh, and they've also, uh, you know, rolled out very wide coverage with low band. Sprint, on the other hand, they've got uh, spectrum assets in in uh, mid band, so in uh, I'm not sure which frequency bands, but I guess around the somewhere in the two and a half to six gigahertz range. Um, and uh, that means that they give a good service over what you might call a, a metropolitan area. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so much broader coverage than than you get with, uh, with with just using millimeter, but but nothing like the broad coverage that you can get using low band. Yeah, but I know Sprint got well, some. Uh, they got hassled a bit about not providing the super high top speeds that uh, that T-Mobile yeah. could get on millimeter wave when they launched. But yeah. now I guess they're uh, complementing <laughs> each other. Uh, with I, mean, I mean, what they've got is what I think most uh, operators would would strive to get is is a mix of spectrum assets that allow them to provide both coverage and capacity, uh, and to, to be able to do that according to um, where the where the traffic is, because where the, where there's high traffic, that's where you really want the millimeter wave to be able to give you both reasonable reasonable service and and to be able to do that for large numbers of users uh, whereas uh, you know if you've got very small number of users you can provide a good service with a comparatively comparatively low uh, average throughput mm. and over to some good news from for uh, from china paul you had some uh, number some amazing numbers there uh, and also some news right uh, China, um, yeah. So um, China went live last year, as we know. Um, yeah, in October, I think it was. Big, they had some very big numbers of people that signed up before they went live. Um, and uh, I think I saw something that said basically that the s 
subscription numbers in 4G now have kind of gone up something like fourfold in, uh, you know, globally in the, in the last quarter of last year. Uh, but there were some numbers came out from China recently in terms of the number of subscribers in China now. And uh, that was two of the three major operators there giving numbers, which collectively between them, uh, I think 25 million subscribers just in China. Oh wow! Uh, so, so that's the total. The total number of subscriptions in China now is about uh, twice the global subscription number of subscribers at the end of at the end of last year. So, so clearly shooting up there. Uh, huge markets. Huge markets. Huge mm -hmm. market. And, and uh, uh, on that note, China Mobile is the biggest operator there. They've uh, just announced uh, contracts for. Um, uh, for deployment of the access networks in across China, across uh, wide region regions, um, as I understand the process, there this is kind of this is kind of central procurement, which which then needs to be translated into into contracts and then from the regional companies. But uh, uh, um, I think what was announced there. Um, I think their plan is for something like 190,000 base stations. <laughs> lots, of, lots of base stations. It's uh, a big country. It's a big country. Uh, and and most of that deployment will go to, to Chinese Chinese vendors. Mm. Uh, the two main ones, Huawei, ZTE, and, and uh, there's an, another one there which takes a few percent share. And then Ericsson are part of that deal as the, uh, as the only uh, Western um uh, network provider uh, i think we're talking about 11 percent of of that market so we i think it was quite a quite a, a good um slice of the network in the areas of there's a, i've seen the list there published of the of the areas where ericsson will be active and it, it ranges between 15 to 25 percent of the of the market or of the, of the network in those areas uh and as you say china's a big place so we uh might my our colleagues, should I say, in China, uh, it's going to keep them busy for the next year or so. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, I guess good news for Ericsson as well, then, because that's a more uh, a bigger market share, uh, if I understand it correctly, than uh, we previously had, right? Um, it could be. Could be. <laughs> Notoriously difficult to quantify. I'm sure one of my analyst colleagues would be able, or analyst contacts would be able to tell us more about that. Yeah. Uh, and also some good news for Greece final, finalizing this news segment. Greece is getting 5G. They uh, have uh, signed a contract with Ericsson and they with their biggest operator uh, Cosmoat has signed a contract with Ericsson. Uh, they will have Spectrum auctions uh, Q4 of this year if uh, all goes according to plan and they expect to roll out 5G during 2021. Uh -huh. That's cool. That's cool. But Congratulations uh, Greece. <laughs> congratulations Greece indeed. Uh, maybe it's time to uh, to talk about spectrum sharing. Yeah, let's talk more about those spectrums. Yeah, spectrum sharing. Uh, let us bring uh, this interview with Sibel that we did previously this week uh, into your headphones. 
Uh, and uh, let's talk uh, spectrum sharing. What's happened? Today, uh, via our team, so we can actually I can actually see your faces now. <laughs> just... See who we're talking to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, in these corona times, we are doing uh, our interviews uh, remotely. And today we have uh, uh, our lovely guest, uh, Sibel Tombas, with us again. So, you are now head of high band and active antenna systems uh, at Ericsson Networks. I remember you were you were you were with us in one of the first uh, podcasts episodes we did, uh, and uh, with with a little bit of background, uh, we talked a little bit more about what spectrum sharing is. Now we thought we'd give the people out there an update, as uh, a lot of things has happened in the last year, uh, both with five G, and I mean when we talked, I think there was there was no nothing launched yet and also about spectrum sharing winning prices and uh, doing its rounds around the globe and you've been in charge of this thing the entire time Sibel how are things now hi Yanina thank you for inviting me everything is good uh, yes it's correct it has been many things happened in the last uh, one year it was an extremely exciting year first year of 5g many commercial launches new devices, new technology, higher speeds, higher capabilities in the network. It was definitely very exciting. And in addition to that, of course, 2019 has been a year of spectrum sharing, uh, Ericsson spectrum sharing, which I have been uh, as a product manager uh, owning of the solution. Uh, so, I mean, I will be very happy today to give the updates because as you said, there are many things happened. Uh, we started with this idea um, as, as a solution very, very early. We started the first time having the, the solution 2017 and now it's commercial. It is ready to be launched it is, and it will be used in very many, many networks. So I will be very happy to today give an update how this the journey happened, where are we and what are the next steps? Yeah. So let's go back to 2017 because uh, the, this started off as being, uh, I guess, a lot of work uh, about standardizations and, uh, and uh, as this is part of the 3GPP standards, uh, dynamic spectrum sharing, it's called there. Uh, so was that when, when things uh, started, when, when uh, you started uh, uh, being... Uh, like bringing this to the world because it has to work in so many levels, right? It has to work Correct. in the devices, it has to work in the network, it has to work across networks. Correct. But actually we have started working much earlier than to GBP. Actually we have been the driver to bring it to the GBP. So in 2017 we started working on the concept and the idea came from we are starting and we were working on 5G networks. We have been working on 5G, new spectrum, new challenges. But then we realized that one component that we forget in 5G is the coverage. It's very good to have peak speed, it's very good to have capacity and it's extremely essential. But 5G network, if you really want to scale, if you want to really ensure that all devices get benefit from it, you need to provide coverage. And you need to provide coverage not only in the cities, 
but on the rural area, suburban area, so we can actually get all these use cases that we are very excited about. Mm. And, and did you and see did you see that early that there would possibly be a, a challenge of getting the the higher the 5G dedicated spectrum was this a, a part of that strategy yes definitely so of course we want i mean in in our 5G vision we we think that 5G network will use all different bands they will use low bands for coverage they will use mid band for capacity and they will use high band for peak rate and latency and like it's really like a wedding cake you can think of it's not one layer you need multiple layers of a network and but when we start looking at the low band we had one challenge we knew that this is very easy way and simpler way for operators to really start launch for nationwide coverage but one problem for all operators have globally is that this spectrum is extremely scarce they are very very small amount of low band spectrum which is today used for 2g 3g and 4g and when you have billions of customers worldwide using the spectrum it's very difficult to take a piece of that spectrum and to 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 use for 5G where there are very very few users in the beginning then this has been a trigger point for us we understood you need ftd you need low band but yet it is highly used and therefore we need to find a way to open a space for 5G without impacting the other users and there the innovation came that we need a solution that allows 5G to use the spectrum dynamically with other technologies without requiring any static refarming so that I can provide nationwide coverage without impacting my legacy users that are using 4G, 3G, 2G in the network uh, today. So we had a couple of uh, terms there that you need to go a little bit uh, closer into. FDD. Sure. Yes. So that is, is that? Frequency, exactly, that is a frequency division multiplexing. Uh, so that's basically lower spectrum. These mm -hmm. are a spectrum under three gigahertz. And uh, these are uh, FDD, so I, I use, but let's say that these are low bands where mm -hmm. you have very good characteristics in terms of propagation. They can reach up to 100, actually even 200 kilometer. So these are the best spectrum to be able to have coverage. Then you have TDD bands and there it is 3.5, 4, and millimeter wave 28 gigahertz. These spectrums, they are they have large amount of bandwidth, is perfect for capacity, for uh, latency, for really peak rates. However, they have, because of the propagation conditions, they have lower coverage than this trade-off. And therefore, we think that we need to create a we need to create a wedding cake. We need to create all these multiple layers. We we cannot live with only one piece of it. And therefore, the low band is essential piece as an underlying of these new spectrums that operator buys. Of course. You also mentioned the term static refarming. <laughs> Just tell yes. me a little bit about that. Sure. A static refarming means, as I said, you want to introduce 5G in, in the existing spectrum. And you have two ways, or actually traditional way, that all operators have done in the next 20 to 30 years, when a 4G came, they wanted to use a spectrum and they just divide piece of the, uh, the 3G spectrum and just take five or 10 megahertz and they launch 4G. And that's called static refarming because then you have this resource or they have it and you try to divide it statically. And then you say, okay, this is the part 3G use and this is the part 4G use and you don't mm. touch each other, you are completely separated. And yeah, it is, so yes. So and then refarming, meaning like reusing the spe same spectrum from a previous generation. 
but, but now for the newer generation. But then it's like locked into that, right? Correct. Yes. And that we thought that we cannot do that for 5G because now we have billions of users are using that spectrum. You cannot tell them, okay, now one day to another, your user throughput, your peak rate, your experience that you get from existing devices will go significantly down. And yeah. therefore, we said we cannot statically lock down the spectrum to each technology. We need to find a way to do it dynamically. And we need to make it as dynamic as possible to be able to use the spectrum the most efficient way possible. And there we come up with this, this innovation, uh, Exxon Spectrum Sharing, way in 2017. Um, and uh, that basically had been the foundation, uh, that we see a clear problem and we have a clear solution, but it has never been done in the, the history of wireless communication. That was, of course, a challenge. It was too complex. No one in the beginning believed that this can be a commercial solution that we can actually use. It was a good theory. Uh, but now, after three years, I'm extremely happy and proud that we make the, the theory feasible and possible. And when we brought to the to the market, and it's of course has been a quite important, good and an exciting journey. But as of today, it's uh, it's it's just when I, when you when you just look it back, it it just makes me very proud and and happy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so basically, dynamic spectrum sharing is a concept taking like it's taken over the world. It's uh, following 5G and and all the talk about 5G. And uh, I mean, there must be something special about the Ericsson way of doing the spectrum sharing as well as we won uh, two GLOMOS. Uh, the, the, uh, the Mobile World Congress uh, did not happen this year, 2020, because of the coronavirus. But the GLOMOS were uh, handed out, the awards that the uh, that's handed out by, by the, the organization GSMA. Uh, and uh, if we start off with the, the sort of like regular price, best mobile technology breakthrough, uh, that was won by Ericsson Spectrum Sharing. Do you want to start off with that one? Yes, uh, of That's course. a big thing, right? Yeah, it is, it is definitely <laughs> a very big thing. Uh, so, and, and you are right. I mean, the reason... And that was also tying back to the 3GBP. We invented the solution in 2017. We brought up the idea to 3GBP so that we can find a global language to talk to all the devices in the world. So it means that we didn't want to lock down the idea. We wanted this to be used worldwide. And we brought up the 3GBP in 2018. And, and at, then after we make it commercial to everyone. And we get two GLOMA awards. It is definitely a proof uh, that not that is only that this technology is extremely powerful and important for customers, but also means that Ericsson's leadership and uh, and and thought uh, thought leadership in this uh, uh, in this area has been basically acknowledged by the most important um, institute for in our area from GLOMA awards. So yeah, we won the, two awards. The, yeah, the yeah. other one that was the uh, and that's the 25th annual award. Uh, judged by a panel, it's uh, called Overall Mobile Technology Award, but it's also called the CTO Award. So yeah. that is uh, very much uh, uh, the, the the service providers, uh, technology officers choosing yeah. what has been the the biggest breakthrough. Yes, right. Correct. That is that is an amazing That's, award to exactly. have. Yeah. Exactly. That's the so cus- we that's the customer talking. Yes, exactly. So actually, maybe I can give a background. So 
in in Glomo, you can actually there are all these categories, and then everyone can submit uh, new ideas and and uh, make a proposal about getting these awards. And and we pro we make our submission for exon spectrum sharing for this biggest mobile breakthrough award. Um, and that of course there have been many many applicants. And this we really believe that this this is a technology breakthrough for really for wireless communication because it's never done before. And 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 yet we have received this amazing award. But the second award, as you mentioned, the CTUA award. This is a this is an award that you cannot be uh, you cannot be you cannot submit your application. This is completely selected by the CTOs of more than twenty tier one important operators. They come together and they really look into overall year without any submission, and they decide what has been the most important thing happened in this year. Oh. And for me, and this is the most prestigious award in Glomo. And and we, it was a came to a surprise to us because again, uh, there is no submission. So when I heard that we actually didn't win one but two awards with the same solution, uh, this is of yeah. course uh, is a very very problem. I even cried, I will say, when I <laughs> when I get the first news. <laughs> yeah, a little bit teary eyed, I would say that uh, is is valid for for that. Good. Well, uh, that was uh, two big wins. Uh, and then, basically the same week, you also went through this, uh, what we call in Ericsson, uh, we got GA. Uh, that, that is a, a term used that's, very that's much in the PDUs, in the product development units. Paul. Sorry, say that again, Janina. Yeah, it's a term used in the product development units. It's... Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's widely used in the industry. To be honest, the customers understand what general okay. availability is. That's when that's when uh, uh, customers around the world can actually get their hands on it. That we start shipping it out to to anyone. So it's it's been through it's been through testing with uh, with a kind of lead operators. It's uh, it's had uh, any bugs bug fixed and or uh, or the ones the ones we managed to find at the moment at least. Uh, and uh, it's out there into in ready to go live into customer networks so in fact that's what it is live in the network isn't that right yes it's, it's correct so um as you mentioned it was a perfect timing because the the, the week that we get the award and we announced the award um that was the same week our software is become generally available ga uh, in ericsson in software we release we have four gas and four software drops every year uh, mm -hmm. so in each quarter and our Q1, in the first quarter's release of the whole software package, is for 5G. In for 5G, also for 4G and all the other generation, oh, they all okay. come in the same week. And that was basically the last week of February. And it was exactly the time, it was really a big coincidence that, it, that this, there was a week that it has, the Global Awards has been announced. It was the same week of Barcelona, of course. Um, so, exactly, what does it mean? It means that we have, been, we have developed a solution and we have been testing the solution for, for for long time. Actually, more than 30 customers had had the software much before the GA. So they were already using the software throughout 2019. And that's why many of the, the readers and the listeners probably have seen many of the uh, press releases around that. So because we have actually had the customers were testing and were deploying spectrum sharing. But what GA means is that now we tested, we bought in the lab, in the, in the field, we have tested with the device vendors, and, uh, and we basically secured that now the ecosystem end-to-end -end is ready for anyone to take the software and do uh, any launch in their network. 
that's basically the biggest milestone for, for any software um, solution. Mm. One of the, the early um, adopters, could say the the service provider uh, Swisscom. We've talked about them using uh, Ericsson Spectrum sharing to to get nationwide coverage uh, very fast because they had that as a target for last year. Uh, how has that, that uh, gone for for Spectrum sharing? How has that proceeded? Yes. So definitely, Swisscom has been one of the pioneers, and I mean that's the reason they are actually one of the best operators in terms of performance in the world. I mean, when you look at all the benchmarks, also last year they have won the all categories as the best network in Switzerland, and their KPIs are kind of example to any operator in the world. And they have been definitely one of the pioneers to understand the value of, of spectrum sharing and low band for nationwide coverage in Switzerland. Of course, we should also understand that, I mean, Switzerland, when you look at the geography, I mean, if you really want to deploy, it's super difficult and it takes long time. And they wanted to use 5G not only for mobile broadband for devices, smartphones, but they really wanted to extend it to different use cases. So they understand that to really get the potential of 5G, they need to deploy fast and they need to use their existing assets. And that is where the value of Exxon Spectrum sharing has been understood in a very, very early stage. And of course, there's also where our very strategical partner and we have been working with them since the beginning uh, on Spectrum sharing. Uh, and now they have provided 90% population coverage. They have announced now that they actually have 90% population coverage has been uh, achieved last December. This mm. is definitely uh, another, I mean, it basically shows where the value comes from spectrum sharing. You can do it fast and you can do it by using your hardware and existing network and existing spectrum in the best way. And yeah. they have achieved and that's definitely become an example to all the operators globally. Yeah. For sure. I think the, the only thing that I've read about Spectrum Sherry that's been slightly negative was an article in, in uh, Fierce Wireless, uh, where one of the big operators in the US, T-Mobile, was a little bit, uh, I don't know, negative to Spectrum Sharing. Uh, do you have any comment on that? Yes. So actually, the I have definitely read the article. And of course, T-Mobile is our, I mean, very important customer as well. We have been working with them in 5G uh, for, for many, many years and also for all the technologies. Uh, but I think when you actually look at the article and the comment from the CTO of T-Mobile, they have been indicating that some that they are seeing some delays and, and which means that it would, might be difficult to be able to really launch uh, and the technology might be in, in problem or some, some vendors have, have been problem. But of course, what we can say from Ericsson perspective is that as we already highlighted, our solution is GA, already generally available. Mm. And, and it is basically exactly the time we have said. So there is no delay from our side. And both in terms of end-to-end -end capability and network capability, we are ready. So in that sense, I think I will say that maybe the comments of, uh, um, of T-Mobile might be related to uh, other ecosystem parts and other vendors. But they are software, they order testing and they can they can launch uh, at any time. So mm. uh, I think I think they, it's not really related to the technology as such because they really value the importance of spectrum sharing as well. But I think they have seen some issues for a nationwide launch uh, because of the delays that they have seen for the other parts. Yeah, and because Ericsson is actually first with having this uh, as, uh, as general available, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. So we have so been the first another. one uh, the, to work on that. We have been the inventor, then we brought the 3GP, uh, and now we are the only vendor today that the solution is generally available to all our customers. 
So do you think that comment was more towards the other <laughs> the other vendors that they need to catch up? Uh, that is my that is my read. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's nice to hear at least. So uh, no no uh, uh, dark clouds in the spectrum sharing uh, corner. So what's next? What is next? Spectrum sharing. Yeah. Yes, that's uh, that's a very good question. Um, so I definitely think this is just the beginning. Uh, this basically shows how can you bring such a complex uh, solution that has never done before to that it requires end-to-end -end support to a network. And that is the first time it has been done. I personally think, maybe I'm really emotional and, and on this topic, I really believe this technology will be the foundation of 6G. I believe this will be discussed when we bring the technologies. Uh, because when you can use the most scarce resource in global wireless communication, which is a spectrum, and when you have a solution that makes it enable to launch and, and use dynamically, I would say that there will not be any return. From now on, when we talk about spectrum, we will only talk about spectrum sharing, and we will only talk about how can we bring the other generations into the same spectrum and share all of them dynamically. And this wow. will be the vision for Ericsson, and we will be continue working on this area and just push the boundaries and to make the, the spectrum usage the most efficient way possible for our customers. That is amazing news to hear, and even 6G. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, uh, Sibel, for joining us and giving us this update on Ericsson Spectrum Sharing, our version of dynamic spectrum sharing. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.